When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ben, we've reviewed all but two of the Star Wars films here on Blockbuster Mentality. I think we're missing Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. It's always great to talk Star Wars. And even when we're not reviewing a Star Wars movie, it seems like a Star Wars conversation ends up creeping into almost every <laughs> single episode. So, I don't know, would you say we're pretty good Star Wars fans? I, I would I would say so. Um, I'm questioning myself now after, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, reviewing our, our, our guest we have today. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, we definitely intend to do Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Just haven't got around to it yet. But, I'm really uh, lacking on that, right? I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we obviously did the original trilogy, even did the se- sequel trilogy. Just yeah. Or not trilogy yet. We'll be doing that in December. Well, that one's, I mean, that's happening. <laughs> yeah, that is, no matter what. Call it done. <laughs> um, but yeah, the reason I say, you know, I used to consider myself a Star Wars fan is because we uh, have a very special guest today. Uh, he actually just got done right or not you know i'm sure he wrote it a while ago but uh he has a book out right now called why we love star wars he's also a part of collider jedi council he's on several podcasts we have the one and only ken knapsack ken how are you happy to be here boys take a break from recording some force center actually tonight where my star wars passions always find me going and uh happy to talk with you guys here oh no do we inter do we intervene with a force uh, center podcast uh, we are always recording, so uh, <laughs> uh, I've taken a little break to chat with you uh, you all here today, which is my pleasure. Well, we appreciate that. Well, that's the great thing about Star Wars. It's timeless. You don't have to, you know, you can record a bunch in advance and not have to worry about staying with the staying with the times. You can always talk Star yeah. Wars, so that's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ken, Ken, before we get into the book, I want to actually talk about the cover, which I think it's just a great cover. Um, the little design uh, elements, you have the TIE Fighter, the, the Death Star, the lightsabers, and th- that font looks, looks suspiciously similar to the, <laughs> the movie font. It is uh, <laughs> legally different. <laughs> well, I'll give, I'll give you the lowdown. I'll give you the real scoop. Uh, I have nothing to do with that cover. That is uh, Mango Publishing uh, put that together. They have an in-house design team. Uh, the it, It's some uh, – what is it? There's a site, Shutterstock, and that's where they, they have a deal with uh, there. And there was an artist uh, uh, who had some Star Wars stuff, and I liked it. They pitched it to me, and uh, the title – and the book cover are are all theirs, and uh, that's the benefit of having a nice publisher behind you. And and I remember looking at it because I had some other ideas, and I uh, wanted to use an artist friend of mine, Janine Bryce, to do a cover. And then I got that, and I was like, "Yeah, this pops. We're gonna the force is with it. We're gonna do it." Yeah, absolutely. It is a gorgeous book. Yeah, definitely love it. And uh, actually, Dave, that's a uh, that's an X wing, not a uh, Tie Fighter. Oh, Just sorry. To yeah. Push up my <laughs> push up my glasses a little. And... <laughs> Here we go. We're, we're in it now. <laughs> we're we're in it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, obviously, we want to you know get get into the book a little. Um, I'm sure you get this a lot, but I mean, when did the when did the idea come about? When did you know how long have you been working on it? 
I had uh, always, I mean, you know, I think if you're a content creator of any kind or have been doing it for any length of time, you always think, I wonder if I got to write a book. Right. Do I have a book in me? And after I lost my job at uh, Collider Complex Media, I was, uh, you know, living on the dole, trying to figure out the next steps of my career. And this kind of came up and I was quite frankly afraid to do it. Uh, writing a book is, is daunting and overwhelming. And though I've written a lot of things before. That's that's a different ballgame. And met with my friend Alicia Malone, who had put out two books uh, with Mango and said, I think I want to do this. And she said, I think you can and got on the phone with an editor. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of things I was thinking about. But Star Wars is uh, obviously what I'm known for. And, and that's what they were interested in. And it just kind of made sense. So set out to write a book called uh, um, 100 Reasons to Love Star Wars, which was the working title. And uh, to Took a dive. It's almost a year ago now. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. We're in September, right? Yes. Yeah. Started writing it early September uh, 2018, and it came out May 2019. So it was a very short turnaround process, wow. which yeah. uh, kind of broke me a little bit yeah. in my soul. But uh, we got it done, <laughs> and, and good uh, good team uh, behind uh, behind me, and uh, it, it, it came out. Yeah, May 15th. So yeah, that that, that was a lot of long days. Yeah, I'm sure, man. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, you got I mean, like you said, 100 moments in here. And when I first, you know, read the title of the book, Why We Love Star Wars, The Great Moments That Built a Galaxy Far, Far Away, you know, I thought, you know, I initially just thought like it's going to be like this psychology study on, you know, why the culture kind of grasps, you know, grasps onto these stories. But it's not it's it's the actual moments in Star Wars, which I, I just love, you know, it's 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 simple and to the point yet. And and I love how you, you know, constantly bring up about, you know, playing in the playground, acting like Star Wars. Yeah. You know, it's not just, you know, it's not and it brings out the uh, uh, kid in us, but it's also, you know, you, you dive into the deep themes as well. And I, I appreciated that a lot. I can mm. remember thinking when I was a kid, endless hours, just endless in my own head about what I what it would how I could make a lightsaber. And what I yeah. would do with it, and just just be in my own head, like just living these little fantasies, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I wish I was smart enough to write the other book uh, you were describing. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. I, I wish. I, and I, there's some book I own that I have. It's like the philosophy of Star Wars, and I have one that's like the philosophy of the Simpsons. Like. I, I wish it was that bright. No, but this is – it had to be about my journey, but my journey I really do believe is a shared journey through uh, many generations of Star Wars fans, and that's the point. Uh, I, you know, I, I think a lot of people can read this book and connect with, with different things about it. And, and uh, uh, to me, in this t time of, of pop culture fandoms and, and discussing it ad nauseum until you, you break your love of it, I think sometimes it, it's – Important to go back to the basics, to the beginning of, of the simple joys, the wanting to build a lightsaber. What would you do with a lightsaber? Me on a playground, me in my backyard. That's where all the love comes from. I'm on a renaissance in my own life of, of rediscovering my passion for the sport of baseball, something that was my life just as much as Star Wars for a long time. And I just stopped because all the analyzation and the radio shows and all this kind of stuff it just was like I, I i forgot that i loved it yeah no i definitely hear you there i've i've stopped i you know i have a big passion for sports too but it has kind of died off these past few years i'm just i'm i hate turning on espn and watching them analyze every little thing coming up with these stupid stats yeah, yeah, pull and, my head off yeah <laughs> and uh yeah it's just like come on like let's just play the game but yeah you, you do kind of forget yeah. your love of it when you have people just 
that you don't agree with, you're just like, shut up. But but yeah, yep. it's it it does hinder that. How how, how are you liking the Dodgers t- chances this year? Uh, well, I'm a Yankee fan, oh, so okay. <laughs> uh, I'm a Yankee fan, born and raised in California, which is a weird thing. So Definitely. I'm worried more about the yeah, I'm worried <laughs> more about the Astros pitching than I am the Dodgers. But we'll, hopefully, we'll worry about them in the World Series. So again, how how are you liking the Dodgers' chances this year? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. I'll tell you what, the brew the Brewers are playing with that kind of magic that uh doesn't go away once you get the postseason. The gods of baseball reward that kind of momentum. So we'll see, but it's gonna be a great postseason. Yeah, that fight with uh the Cardinals and the and the Brewers right now is interesting. And uh yeah, we're here in Tampa, so we're uh we're hoping the Rays at least clinch that wild card spot. Um but we're losing Tommy's- what yeah, was, what a season. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But we're losing all the Star Wars fans talking about baseball here. But uh but yeah, this is what we do on the show. We just go on tangents. Um now uh did were you, you know in the in the book obviously you have moments and it's not uh exclusive to the movies, it's the books, it's the comics, it's the uh TV shows, it's everything. Now did you originally just want to have the movie moments or were you always set on doing everything in canon? Uh, it's everything in canon always, I actually campaigned for that and, and certainly no one fought against it, uh, over there, but I just, uh, wanted to really show also a lot of the, what we talk on force center a lot is the emotional canon. I, I hear a lot eh, this new star Wars isn't really connected. And that's, that's BS. Quite frankly, it's, it's emotionally connected in ways that you can't even imagine, uh, where entire stories and plots and characters are, are built off a, a line in new hope, uh, you know, or, or a moment in empire strikes back. And so it was important for me to connect all that together uh, with the new canon. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not a huge Legends fan, didn't read any of the EU, EU stuff after about 96, uh, but I respect it and respect what it did for the, the, the franchise and kept it alive in a time where we didn't really have any Star Wars or uh, Star Wars that people didn't really love. So uh, I get it, but it just it just was I wanted to really focus on what is considered modern canon and complete canon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a bit of squabbling, right, with the fans over these sorts of things. And I know there are fans of all that stuff, but, you know, they made mm-hmm. a decision and you, you just kind of got to move on with it, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it just – it wouldn't have made sense because, you know, George Lucas <laughs> never cared – he didn't pay attention to Legends. It wasn't his say. He was like, yeah, there's some books. Um, you know, it is – so I, I, I needed to kind of, you know, focus on what uh, – what was actually there so and and i actually learned something i actually learned a lot in your book but i, I didn't realize that uh in the novelization of return of the jedi that uh obi-wan and and uncle owen were brothers is that is that that's correct yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's in uh it's a great speech it's it's a great thing from obi-wan and and we all kind of grew up thinking that so then the prequels come around and we're like oh but i think george george just didn't he didn't he wasn't worried about canon uh, he doesn't have a canon checklist he, he has a story <laughs> he has emotions you know yeah and you mentioned him because he's also quite contentious in the fan base that you know turns on him and spits venom at him but uh i'd be curious to think sort of your thoughts on lucas and i think i'm assuming you know we we love him for the world that he brought to life so of course and that that basically grants him a, a lifetime pardon but there, you know there were some missteps but i just thought of this maybe did he do like a george R. R. martin kind of thing where he made these great movies and then maybe just his whole thing blew up and maybe took too long to before he got to the prequels rather than doing <clears throat> even just doing other movies he definitely seemed like he lost something there in those uh yeah. between years 
Yeah, I mean, I love George. He's the creator, and and even when he's a little cranky and contentious, and and he is. This whole thing that's coming up, you know, here uh, this week, this recording with, with Bob Iger releasing his memoirs, and George felt betrayed. That's not really new news, but it's uh, interesting to hear some stuff con- con- confirmed. It's this re- weird circle. It's like, well, George, you sold it number one. They don't have to, and you knew they didn't have to use anything. But also, you could have made these films whenever you wanted. If in two thousand ten, you know, if he had said, all right fine revenge assist with five years ago let's let's do episode seven it would he could have done it um but at the same time i always i keep pointing back the fan base ran him out and why would he want to do that uh you got you know all these do- documentary the people versus george lucas george ruined my childhood all this stuff yeah, yeah. Why, why, why would you want to do it so it's this weird it's this weird circle at the end of the day i love uh, george i love uh, the world's a created. I am a big fan of the of the prequels, meaning I totally acknowledge that there's a lot of things that didn't go well and that George uh, maybe had uh, a lot of yeses around him when maybe there could have been some no's. Uh, I totally get it. But but he created this wonderful world. The themes are there. They're so there. They're so ingrained in the prequel stories. They so work. They so catch on. And and, and he's and, and then Clone Wars comes along and, and he's. You know, that's just as much George's as it is. Yeah, Filoni gets all the credit, but George was there, man. Yeah. And, and a lot of it came from him. So it's this wonderful, rich world. And yeah, missteps. You know, uh, Joseph Scribshaw, uh, my co-host of Force Center, one of the first before I had uh, really got to know him. I think he did a joke or said something on a panel, and, and it's true. And I, and I uh, quote him as best I can. But he says, you know, Star Wars fans, we kind of agree that there's one great movie, one good movie, and a bunch of fun movies that we enjoy. And that's before episode seven, eight, nine, and all that stuff came out. This was this was uh, I met Joseph about 2014. So uh, I think that's kind of continued. Where you know even the the new movies that I love, I, Last Jedi is my second favorite Star Wars film. I love Force Awakens. I've seen Solo 40. I love Solo. I think Alden Ehrenreich is amazing in that character and that as that character in that role. You know each each movie has at least three three to five things I could say that's eh, not my favorite. But yeah. so do the originals. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back is the best of the best of the best. Love Empire. It still has a puppet, uh, <laughs> asteroid, you know, an asteroid monster, an exogorth with a hand in it. You know, like <laughs> it's, that's silliness. It's silliness. But as a kid, you loved it. So right. it's all it's all good. And that's my point. Celebrate it all, man. Right. Celebrate it all. It is a silly, weird talking dog as a character <laughs> franchise just enjoy it all man exactly and you even bring that up in the book obviously i don't want to give away everything in your book but uh, you know you even talk about you know to love star wars is to also laugh at star wars you know and that's that's part of it it's kind of like you know you you know when you have make make fun of a family member or something you know just kind of tease each yeah. other or whatever it's like yeah i can make fun of my family because they're my family yeah. you know star wars is our family we can make fun of them we're fans because we're we're, yeah. we're with them no matter what we're with them through thick and thin we're you know yeah it's just fun me and dave always talk about it. it's just fun to be you know in that world again you know it's just it, no matter if you how you feel about the sequel trilogy the prequel trilogy it's just nice to be in that world and just absolutely and you know just go on that journey that reminds well, I, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Can I absolutely insist you go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, and that's also, you know, the, the, the shared jokes. Um, I, I think the prequel trilogy started to change that. Uh, but even then, there was a period after uh, in 07, 08, 09, into 2010, 11 range where the shared jokes, the doing the weird quotes, uh, all that kind of stuff, um, like, 
like it was it was a connective thread for Star Wars fans. And I think I touched upon it in some places in the book. I might be repeating myself. But, you know, like my friends in high school, we were like I drop a reference to Hardware Wars and it was like, oh, a parody. Star- oh, my gosh, you're a Star Wars fan. And we'd connect over making fun of it because we loved it so much. <laughs> and I think digital media pops up and we all are one- doing wonderful, fun things with our podcast and YouTube channel and everything. But now it's this weird and it goes back to what I talked about sports. I pulled out of sports just like you guys were saying. Uh, I, I got tired of watching SportsCenter and breaking down everything, and, and, and I forgot. I got and I got so wrapped up in it, I forgot to enjoy it. And I think that's starting to happen with these fandoms, not just Star Wars. We're so wrapped up with things that we shouldn't be worried about. Uh, you know, uh, box office, fine, that's a number you can read about. But director drama, studio drama. The I I, I get tired of talking on shows about uh, what do I think uh, Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie is going to be. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. You know? oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to enjoy it for what it is because it's Star Wars. Right. Like I talk at baseball, there's a stat exit velocity. It's this crazy, weird, how fast and hard people hit the ball off the bat. And I'm like, why is this being measured? And my friend, a friend of mine, Cody Decker, just retired from pro ball this year. And he wrote me, he goes, no one should worry about the stat except for the people in baseball. It's a great stat for us for research to correct our swings and measure it. Like, it's great for us. I don't know why anyone outside of it needs to be concerned of it. And if they act like they are they they've never played the game. And I think sometimes that's where I start getting into these conversations about is Ryan going to make his trilogy? I don't know. I'll <laughs> yeah. see it. You know what I'm waiting for? The Obi-Wan TV show. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. waiting for Ryan's trilogy. And if it doesn't get happen, it doesn't happen. Why? I, I don't know. I'm not in those meetings. You know, right. I, I want to enjoy this and break it, bring it back, back to why we love Star Wars. And yeah, it's it's nice to talk about the things that have actually been announced and we have actual details on rather than just expect. I mean, speculating is fun, but speculating yeah. it's part of it. Right. I totally enjoy it too. Like, I'm I'm wondering if Ryan Ryan Johnson's trilogy is going to be made because I want him to make it. But right. I, I, it, I, the, the tweets I get and 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 theory the theories take over too. Oh, we're go- you guys caught me on a weird day. Uh, the theories that, you know, you know <laughs> hey, you know, all right, so you see this vision of Dark Ray and a thing. Well, all right, and, I, and, and these people put great time and thought, and I love them. I, I can't think of this stuff, so I'm saying this out of respect, but I'll get these messages. Do you think it's this, 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 and Palpatine does this, and he's a clone? And it's like none of it's story. None of it's right. emotion. <laughs> none of it's character. That's what writers and directors are worried about and actors. They're worried about that stuff, not about this checklist of your theory stuff. Like, just enjoy it. Lay back. Have a whiskey, which clearly I need tonight, and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's how we prepare for our shows. Yes, uh, yeah, always. You should, you should probably do that. Yeah, I mean, the same thing with Game of Thrones. I mean, people were speculating, like, oh, my God, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. How, how could Cersei and Jamie go out like that? But it's like... Again, it's it's people who think they can write, think they can direct, think they can you know do everything, and it's <laughs> it's just... it, it doesn't it does yeah it doesn't mean that there's not things done wrong. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, as you guys know. Season eight's one of my favorite seasons. It doesn't mean I don't look at some of the things and go, yeah, well, I see some points. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't want people to take it the wrong way from any of us saying like you can't you know I I mean, grew up a huge Transformers fan. I hate every one of those movies. I stopped watching them after two. Like the first one's all right, you know, but right. like. So things can be done. I'm a huge G.I. Joe fan. The first G.I. Joe movie, <laughs> not what I wanted. Right. Uh, I totally get it. But then why don't get caught up in it? Don't get caught up yeah. in it. 
we're here to enjoy things, man. Life's short. Exactly. Especially the people who will boycott boycott movies just because, you know, they, they didn't like the way their character was treated. <laughs> there was people who were boycotting Solo because they didn't like Last Jedi and, you know, or, you yeah. know. No one should replace Solo. Just it, like you said, life is short. Just just enjoy it. Yeah. Like you're robbing yourself of of these things if you're if you're gonna be like that. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, so this is it. Almost like an outrage culture, but like fan uh, on the fan side. Is that what what this kind yeah. of is? I, I yes, no, I think so. And again, there's you're always going to get the person who's going to write back and say, "Hey, I legitimately didn't like the Last Jedi, and and it's totally fine." And if you can. The only time I push back, only time I push back is when they say something that shows that they didn't necessarily understand what was in the movie. I, uh, you know, I hear a lot about Finn's character in, in Force Awakens, you know, and, and compared to Last Jedi. Well, you know, he joined the resistance in episode seven. Why is he debating it again in episode eight? Like he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah. He explicitly ran away from the resistance, lied and, and lied to Han to get on the Starkiller base. Why? Because he wanted to save Rey. He didn't give a damn about the resistance. He picked up that lightsaber to fight Kylo to save Rey, not to join the resistance. You might not like that decision, but I, 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 need, I want you to understand that decision. So that's the only time I ever push back. Otherwise, you know, people have issues. They don't like this. That's fine. You're always going to get the person who says that. But, but a little bit of the outrage, a lot of it, look, there is just – straight lies out there on the internet you and, and dig and dig and dig and you can turn like a good conspiracy theory you can turn it into anything you want there are people that are convinced that i'm receiving money from disney because they're like <laughs> and 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 god i wish it was true i wish it was true uh you know i had to have a three and a half dollar uh thing of mac and cheese today that was my dinner you know like yeah. give me disney money um, but you can't convince them otherwise. You can't. If they're they're like the flat earthers. I had frozen mozzarella sticks, so it's okay. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> well, I I don't know now. I mean, looking again at this font on the cover of your book and the idea you're being accused of taking Disney money, I, maybe it's all coming back together. So no. now I'm maybe calling <laughs> yeah. a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, uh, I actually do have one one nitpick. I'm going to be that guy now. Uh, yeah, the Last Jedi. This one actually kind of ruined my. Experience kind of ruined the beginning of the movie for me i want to know what you think about this that for just whatever reason the poe dameron and the and the and the x-wing blowing up the, the guns on the dreadnought just drove me absolutely ape I, it like was distracting <laughs> to me it just kind of made me angry and for the next like five minutes of the movie i was just in a in a weird state of mind i don't know did that bother you at all can you at least see that one or am i stupid it, it no 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 this is interesting and all the critiques is as you were as you were getting to talk um I, in my head, this is how my head goes. I go, he's going to say the humor in the beginning of the movie. Uh, you, and then you said Poe Dameron. I'm like, he's definitely going there. Oh, he's going for the turrets being blown up? Wow, that's a new one. And and I'll tell you what. No, I, I wasn't distracted by it. Um, but the one thing I, I did think about, here's what here's what distracted me a little bit in my initial few viewings of it. Yeah. And no one's ever really discussed this. This is a great thing to discuss. There's a little bit of it takes a lot longer than it should on that last one. That movie magic of BBA, you got to get it. We got to get it. We're, we're going to blow this one up. And I'm like, wow, that X-Wing just went to two miles an hour. It's <laughs> going down there. Um, no, no. But hey, if that, if, 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 kudos. That's one I really haven't heard for, heard for before. I, I just it, that whole sequence is an you know it, it. What makes that sequence for me is Captain Moan and Kennedy, who I've written about in the book, um, yep. and and the idea that the first order is a second generation wannabe organization 
that is makes it to me more of a threat because they don't know what they're doing and they're going to do dangerous things and they're going to uh, you know cause a lot of death and destruction in the galaxy. Not that the Empire didn't, but the Empire uh, was at, l at least a well-oiled machine. Uh, and Moden Kennedy being from the Empire, that whole sequence just shows how this is this shouldn't be happening. And that final grimace on his face is like, of course, with these Egypts around me, this is what's going to happen. So yeah, that's something I love about the sequence. But <laughs> but yeah, you know, hey, you know, Poe uh, Poe's Poe's good man. He knows how to fly. Uh, oh, then, oh, well, I'm going to keep going here. Well, I didn't like how that, okay, so how, how that well, thing. Well, first of all, let me just say that I'm a lot more favorable than Dave is <laughs> over I the sequel here? trilogy. Oh, so no, stop. please, please go on, Dave. Well, please. that, I didn't like what it did to the character because it essentially sidelined him for the whole movie. So that, it kind of built on top of itself. It, I mean, Grant, I still yeah. like, the, I still love the movie. But the other thing was this, that spectacular end, which we all, I mean, the hyperdrive or the hyperdrive uh, or hyperspeed blow through the, uh, um, the other Snoke ship. ship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that was yeah, yeah. just that was a, just a beautiful one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen on film. Um, but oh, I yeah. wonder, just as as just my geeky side of my brain goes, did they just like break a rule here in this universe? Can this is this like a new um, can this oh, be exploited, no. or is this something we we'll, we could see again? Or um, you know, why not just take a little ship and then just do hyperspace through an airship as like, a ballistic missile? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's the Holdo maneuver and, and it's, and it's, uh, I never in the first month I saw the film in theaters, whether it's a press screening or, or a regular audience there, I never had a, that never happened. And, and, uh, or let me phrase it this way, uh, cause I need my whiskey. Every time it <laughs> happened, there was dead silence and there was always someone in the crowd going, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It blew people away. Um, but as far as the rule breaking thing, thing like that, it's just something you wouldn't uh, I don't think you're going to do. The rebels would never do it because they needed the resources. Yeah. The resistance would never do it because they need the resources. As far as could you program? Maybe now. Maybe we'll see it in nine. Maybe someone goes, hey, Amulet Holdo had a good idea here. Yeah. Uh, I, I just new battle just, tactic. Uh, yeah. It just didn't it didn't break rules for me because the rules are always changing for me. Uh, you know, and, and, and in Star Wars, uh, you know, I'm certainly not Neil deGrasse Tyson and, and uh, <laughs> not worried about the, the gravity of the bombs and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, obviously you're not alone. You're not alone. And there's been million view videos uh, on YouTube about it. Um, I just still, again, uh, that scene and I wrote about it. I don't, want, I don't want to keep saying, hey, I wrote about it and here's what I wrote. But <laughs> oh, by all means. A, to me, it is a lesson of going down with a ship, and I think Holdo made some mistakes, and she knew it, and she knew this was part of her penance and the pay to pay the price, and she's a good leader, and this is what she needed to do to sacrifice so the others could go on, and and that's what I look at that scene, and other than just going, oh, wow, right, yeah, uh, you know. it's just just I mean just cinematically, I mean in movie history, I mean that's got to go down as one of just like the jaw dropping action action yeah. in sequence I, it's got to go down as one of the best i mean it's just amazing what they're able to do just that like that silence but at the same time yeah. it just felt so loud <laughs> it, it's what i talk about when going back to you know, star wars is best understand understood by adults but it's best loved by children meaning like when i first saw that i i literally was like oh no is she gonna oh god they're gonna have a ram that ship and the first order Captain Peavy's going, oh, no, she's going to ram the ship. Oh, and, and then it happens, and there's complete somber silence in, in a crowded premiere theater. Like the, this is the premiere, and everyone's just silent. You just hear the, as, uh, the explosion, and then, like, someone just yelled, oh, shit, real loud. Like, you can't take that away from that moment 
and and thousands of videos later and other audiences to me i'll always go to that moment just like i'll always go to attack of the clones when uh the first couple showings i saw uh, 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 normal audiences on a Friday night or whatever the release day was when Yoda comes around the corner to fight Dooku, oh, yeah. standing ovations, <laughs> people screaming, happy. Right. And, then he, and he fights at the end and, and grabs his cane. Applause breaks. Right. Yeah. And, and history cannot erase those moments when I experienced him as a fan. I looked around like everyone loved this. I remember uh, that. Everyone loved it. Yeah, this. I remember yeah. the cheering in the theater at that scene too. It just It just... Yeah. Again, why we love Star Wars, and I love that you you bring out these moments in this book. I, you, like you know, there's the petty things that pre- people bring up, but you you bring the you know the good you bring the good out in in everything. Um, but uh, I, I hate I I hate uh, you know I'll use the word hate hate leads to anger leads to fear. Careful, Ken. Careful. Yeah. Uh, I do not like. How about this? I do not like when Poe Dameron says "big ass door." I don't like modern faces <laughs> and stars. Oh, I, I totally like- agree with that. I want to. Yeah. I want to be taken into another place. I don't modern day slang. Yeah. It just makes. It, I'm all of a sudden not watching a movie anymore. You know. No, I'm not even a huge fan of Finn saying to Ray, "Like, what? What do you got? A boyfriend? Cute boyfriend? That's not like, sort of my favorite one either." But uh, but I also think it's a fun moment. I think John Boyega is just a great source of energy in these films. But and I, don't, I think there's some clunky dialogue when when they're staring at Luke standing before the First Order, and they're like, "No, no, wait, he's he's doing something. Oh, what is he? Do- oh, he's distracting it." You know, but th- this is Star Wars, not known for the best dialogue o- o- over uh, the course of uh, its history. And Ryan acknowledges that. Ryan acknowledged you have to kind of write to a certain way in Star Wars. Otherwise, it doesn't, you know, feel like Star Wars. But that's not my favorite line. You know what I mean? And I, I guess I could write, you know, 13 essays about that. Or I could just go, man, or what a great moment where Luke stands out to, you know, to face the First Order. Well, what, what are your thoughts on the uh, shoulder brush? Uh, that's of, of that sequence, which is one of my favorite in Star Wars. I love what happens to Luke and the, uh, Luke's path and, 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 and all the story now, but in episode eight, yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a fun moment. You know what I mean? Like it's fun. It's very, it, it's Mark Hamill. It's very Mark Hamill. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. I think Mark Hamill definitely saves that moment because you know, his personality, you've seen him in interviews, you know, you've seen him in everything. And it's just like, okay, I, I can, I can give that a pass, but I was just curious. Cause it was, it was definitely a real world feel, but I guess, yeah, you know, they, they could have uh, brushed their shoulders off in a long time ago in a galaxy far <laughs> yeah. away. You it's, know, it's not as bad as when it, someone says really like, Oh, come on, man. In 20 years, no one's going to be saying really, like, <laughs> yeah. you're trying to make a movie, you know, for all time, not like using these stupid little phrases. <laughs> Ken, what did you think of Luke Skywalker and Yoda's interaction in the last Jedi? I found it to be maybe the best of all, almost, I almost want to say the best of all star Wars, their, their interactions, their conversations. I just was brought back. I felt everything that I love about star Wars and in, in their conversations. Yeah, uh, it's actually absolutely one of my my favorite sequences in, in any of uh, any of the films. Uh, it was powerful, unexpectedly powerful. Um, I, there there had been one of my friends. One of my friends knew it was happening um, and kept it from me, but it said said it on a show as a prediction. Um, so uh, luckily, it wasn't ruined for me. And you know, Frank Frank Oz is on the red carpet, and you're like. What's Frank Oz doing here other than just watching Star Wars? Um, they did a great job keeping that secret. But when it comes across and I see the ears and the cameras there, I love that sequence because it's so touching. Uh, the way they use it, uh, the way Yoda addresses them and he addresses Yoda, you know, Master Yoda. Oh, young Skywalker. But then it switches. 
uh, yeah, it's it switches and it, it's no longer master and apprentice and, and, and their old relationship. It is it is two equals in a way, and Yoda teaches them such and and, and gives them that final piece. And and uh, Yoda's Yoda's theme is one of the more I think underrated pieces of music in the franchise. It's very well known and, and popular, but it's a very very comforting theme. It's it's the sound of enlightenment, as I've said before, and and the fact that it you it shows up there. It's just a very powerful sequence, and you know, fun. In that uh, sequence, in that. Um music may or may not be in your book uh but yes <laughs> um but uh but yeah that's what that's another thing i love about your book too is that just you know i i, I learned to appreciate more things i didn't appreciate before like uh rose rose from last mm-hmm. jedi i wasn't a huge fan of but you you have a good chapter on her and it's it it really mm-hmm. points out her you know kind of her inner I don't know, her inner yeah. thinkings or inner, you know, whatever, just, you know, what, yeah. what she was going through and everything. And just, it, it, it helped me appreciate it more. And, and I think that's what this book is, is really celebrates is just those little moments in star Wars, you know, not just, you know, this, you know, the, the bombs are falling, but there's no gravity, yeah. you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I really appreciate that. And again, I really appreciated that uh, you, went into the books and everything. I love that you referred to Leia's Hut Slayer a few times. That was great. Right. Uh, shout out to yeah. Bloodline. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. uh, awesome. And uh, you, even books I haven't read yet, I, I learned a lot from. You actually inspired me mm. to go out and buy uh, the Prince, uh, uh, Claudia Gray's book, uh, the Princess oh, Leia one. Um, yeah, Pr- Leia, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Yes, yeah. yes. I uh, just just ordered that from Amazon, so I'm waiting for that to come. So uh, <laughs> I can't wait to read that one. So it's great. It's yeah, she's so great. The Claudia Gray uh, universe of Star Wars books is uh, wonderful. I want to take a step back, Ben, because you mentioned sound, and I'd almost want to say that John Williams is a co-creator of Star Wars, and yeah. his way of that rousing score always it just ties everything together and creates something truly magical. I remember going down the YouTube rabbit holes of uh, interviews with him, and uh, it was a Ben Burt, the sound designer, I think his name is, just all the way he created all that stuff, sampling all these yeah. crazy noises, and it all works perfectly. So, like, the auditory part of Star Wars is almost as important as the visual. Absolutely. Uh, I forget the exact quote, but I've heard said said before that, you know, uh, a movie getting made is, is, a, is a collection or a series of miracles. Uh, any movie, even those Transformer ones I don't like. Uh, it, it is uh, – so much goes into it, and George, George, without a doubt, he'll give credit to uh, Ralph McQuarrie a lot for the designs to get the project even sold. Uh, the late Ralph McQuarrie's uh, concept art, uh, and then uh, John uh, coming in, and you know, in 1976 or seven, when he probably records it, so, you know, released in 77, and this classical, classical movie theme in an era where it was, you know, uh, probably disco or weird, you know, sci-fi. Uh, 2001, you know, just it, it, it automatically brings in a different feeling to it, and and it's a secret sauce indeed, as is Bert. I mean, there's a lot of people. Without a doubt, it's how anything happens. Uh, George and his flannel are going to get a, get a lot of credit because it's his <laughs> world. But um, he couldn't have done this without Gary Kurtz. He couldn't have done this without uh, his his editors, uh, Marsha Lucas, his ex wife, uh, who's been you know cut out of the history books uh, after yeah. their divorce. 
she saved it along with the the team uh was it richard chu and um Paul Hirsch, I believe, who edited the first one. I mean, they saved it. And the first first cut was disastrous. So there's that. Gary Kurtz again. and uh, Yeah, they had a bit of a falling him. out. Do you know what that was about? Uh, there's some interviews out there with the late Gary Kurtz, uh, some towards the later part of his life where he, he it, it seems like um, – yeah, well, it seems like him and George, uh, you know, had to, yeah, never got really repaired. Maybe I don't know. It wasn't there, but yeah, that he left before Jedi and didn't like the direction some of it was going. And there's a real kind of, you know, kind of real bitter sounding. Uh, not that Gary isn't right, or you know, it's not even right about right or wrong. But he it seemed like there was a lot of uh, anger behind one of these interviews where he's like, George is already going to toys and stuff with Ewoks and everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't fully agree with that because, you know, George was retelling the Vietnam War and Return of the Jedi, which is pretty deep. Um, but not quite yeah, Apocalypse just, Now, though, right? Well, yeah, no, which, you know, they, <laughs> which he, he and Gary Kurtz were going to do. Right. You know? Exactly. So there you go. Um, but yeah, yeah. So going back to your original question, sorry, I'm on, on a tangent. But yeah, John, uh, gosh, you can't. You can't really – this couldn't have happened without him, and we're now in an era where there's other people doing uh, Star Wars music, and, and I think all of it's actually done, been done pretty well. I think Kevin Kiner on the animated side does it uh, the best of all, but I really like Solo's score with Pal. I, I actually have come to appreciate uh, the Rogue One score more than I did initially, and, and we're going to – you know, nine is it for, for John, and, and we have to accept moving on. Um, that's part of – that's part of the lesson Yoda tells Luke. We're the yeah. ones that go on. <laughs> right. Um, which is why I, I love The Last Jedi so much because Anthony Bresnikan of, of EW and his review wrote this This movie was the first Star Wars movie about growing old just as much as growing up. And I think that was powerful for an entire generation of fans. Uh, so, yeah, John, I, I, I you know. I loved. I cannot wait to see what he or hear what he he does with nine. Yeah, I learned. I I absolutely love the Rogue One score. Now it's just something about it. Just it it totally sucks me. And it's not John Williams, so it's you know it still it, feels familiar. Though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um. Me and David talked about this a lot, and we especially talked about not a lot, but we we talked about it in the Empire Strikes Back episode we did. Um, uh, do you feel um? How important was it that George Lucas did not direct Empire Strikes Back? I think it was uh, pretty important. I think uh, I think he's a better director on A New Hope than people or time uh, want to give him credit for. I think it was important for him to get to that producer uh, storytelling role. Um, you know, Jedi was a little different. Uh, Mark Wand was brought in when they couldn't bring in you know Spielberg, so, so the legend goes, because of uh, George not being in the Directors Guild uh, and Writers Guild anymore. Union problems, but uh, Kirshner, who was his old teacher, I mean, it just worked, and and uh, you know George wasn't on set for a lot of that, and and it was it was Kirsch uh, uh, telling a story that didn't involve a big uh, you know victorious ending, and and uh, had to leave a lot of things. It, it was a really important defining movie in a lot of ways, not just in the Star Wars galaxy, and and I think it was good to have George, uh, you know, go back a ways. Uh, looking at the prequels, I, you know, the, the the fact that Ron Howard was maybe supposed to direct Phantom Menace and didn't do it or didn't take it. Like, what what could that have been if George was just like, let me step back and then you will do all the technical stuff that's very big with George. Um, but Ron uh, worked with the actors. You know, that, that's one of the things he does really does really well. One of the things he did really well in Solo. Yeah. Uh, 
coming in and there was some, you know, we'll never get, we'll never get the real story. I think right. it's under yeah. lock and That's... because of a, a legal, uh, you know, a legal, uh, legal agreement between Lord Miller. And That's Lucasfilm. by the, that's by the box with the Lord, uh, the uh, Ark of the yeah. Covenant. Uh, <laughs> it really is. But there's, you could read between the lines and some of it of just, uh, you know, maybe Clark didn't seem like she was getting direction for her character. Uh, I was told to play a femme fatale and that's not a direction. And I think Ron comes in and, and, and carves, helps her carve something out of that role. And, and so going back to that, uh, you know, I, I sometimes wonder like, what would have happened. Because even though I'm very positive about the prequels, yeah, so the act George does not like actors getting away <laughs> of his stuff. Yeah, uh, it, what what could have been been done? It's too bad we couldn't. You couldn't just have CGI actors, right? And then it would have made the prequel trilogies go real smooth. <laughs> he, he would have loved it. Yeah. I know. Uh, Ken, I want to talking about moments. Uh, maybe looking forward, I think um, my issue maybe with the sequel trilogy was that I didn't think we moved quite far enough. I thought the only one. The only character that we should have kept around was was Luke at minimum. As much as I love Han Solo, as much as I love Leia, you know, real time, world time passed them by. And I thought they just were shells of themselves and characters. Just my opinion. But looking ahead to maybe the next two or there's what two trilogies in discussion, right? Uh, one like with that, maybe yeah. Ryan Johnson. Come on, Ken, is Ryan Johnson going to do a trilogy or what? And then he uh, doesn't want to talk about that. <laughs> and, and then uh, and then the Game of Thrones guys possibly in right. talks. I don't know where that's gone recently. But um, are, do you have a sense of maybe what you would like to see? Maybe some either some moments, some stories mm-hmm. from you know not from the movies or or from the movies. Maybe something you would explore or just something else that you want to see entirely out of your own head. <laughs> do you have any ideas on that? Yeah, uh, yeah, no. Uh, um, I, yeah, I, who knows? I, I think the Ryan thing will happen. Uh, Dan and David, I, I don't know as much. Um, you know, I, they, they're, they're figuring it out too. You know, everyone points to the MCU model. I get it. Um, yeah. but no, it's stuff. No, it's, no, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge MCU guy. And, that, and that's just cause I've never been a superhero guy my whole life. I read comics, but it was GI Joe transformers. And, and now I read true crime comics and, you know, saga and those kind of things. But, um, so not, I, 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 I'm not slagging off the MCU. It's clearly great and successful. I'm just saying like, I, I, I want a little bit more. I just want a little bit more from, from my movies. And I don't, and, and, and I'm not, I don't get a thrill by one movie. Iron Man mentions Dr. Stephen Strange. And then you're like, Oh, that's going to be another movie. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Agree 100%. Uh, aside, yeah. Aside from that, as far as the challenge is, is uh you know and i i i thought harrison really brought it for force awakens but i was actually very like i i him going was was great uh the lay carrie that whole thing it might have gone differently obviously with with what right the, the, the tragic real world loss uh i love the ending of, of luke uh in that one and um uh, i i think it's important to pass things on to the next generation but I am drawn to the story of the rebellion versus the empire. I could live in that 20 years between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope for all of my Star Wars fandom. That's why I'm looking forward to Obi-Wan and Cassian Andor yeah. uh, and anything else. I love that era. That's to me Star Wars. Jedi Jedi and Sith are great too. I, I'm not against it. I, I love it. Uh, in fact, I, I am you know, in talking about new – and where do you want to go? That's the, you know, does it feel like Star Wars is this phrase you hear all the time that no one can really answer? Ryan kind of addressed it recently in like in some of his interviews during the press for Knives Out of just like, we're trying to figure out what that means. What does it mean to be tell a Star Wars story that's not tied to what you know? That is, that is, that is, it's such a wide open 
a landscape to, to play with. Yeah. Time timelines and everything. But like, what does it mean? Do you still have to have the things that were for spaceships, X-wings, TIE fighters, lightsabers? What, what do you need? What's the Star Wars story? What's the modern myth? Um, so I, I wouldn't be opposed to going back and, and uh, a formation of the Jedi Order, uh, which leads to the formation of the Sith and which leads to some kind of confrontation, a trilogy about that. I think I think I could be down with that. I would want it to be pretty much original with maybe some of the names and stuff we're familiar with in, in old uh, EU, but I don't want a straight adaption of, uh, adaptation of Knights of the Republic or, or the Bane books or anything. But those characters, some which are canon, some which are not, uh, yeah. I think that's an interesting place to go yeah. and seeing what the Republic is, this old Grand Republic. What is it during a time of, of no war? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what goes on? Should we break the rule of two? And then we can have like, you know, a hundred Sith and a hundred Jedi and we just explore that world. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah. I think the rule of two is a bit constraining on how, okay, well, then here's this guy and then he's got that yeah. guy and then he's got to do this and here's the story, right? Yeah. And, and how they got there is interesting. And uh, we were just talking today on, on uh, Council, you know, uh, the accepted – there was Sith-Jedi war. I mean I do believe that it still exists in canon even though there's not a lot of canon on this. Um, but the idea that George was just I've, – I've read some interviews, not not even distant past ones where he's just like, yeah, there's these books about how the Sith and Jedi fought in thousands and thousands of years ago and there was a Sith army. Eh, that's not true. The way I saw it is not, <laughs> it, it's, it's closer than you'd think and the Sith did rule but there was – the rule of two – you know, you know. so what do they take? Obviously, clearly, as we've learned, George isn't around a colony shot. So – uh, do you want to tell that big giant story, which leads to Bane creating the rule of two? Eh, I'm interested in that, you know, but yeah, um, that's the question. I don't have the direct answer. I love, I'm really looking forward to Kenobi. Uh, and I think that a uh, character study of that, of what, what's going on in his head and, and how he gets from point A to point B, uh, from Sith to, to New Hope is interesting. And, and, uh, those are the kind of things I love, which is why I love TV. I love Disney plus love what it can potentially do yeah we're we're looking forward to that in uh speaking of jedi council i have to mention uh my brother matt is a he's he's a huge star wars fan he's been on our uh star wars episodes a few times um and uh he wanted you know he's a huge jedi council fan which i introduced him to just saying <laughs> gotta clear um, that up uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and he, he wears their your t-shirt all the time he wanted me to mention he has a question for does you does he have underwear yeah and socks and <laughs> probably <bed> <laughs> Yeah, he probably does. <laughs> he has no. He has a Jedi Council T-shirt, but uh, he he has a question which you already kind of answered. But he says, as a quote unquote prequelist, are you more excited for the Ewan McGregor Obi Wan series uh, or the Mandalorian series? Uh, I, I'm more excited for Obi Wan. Um, uh, Mandalorian. I, I'm gaining. I think because we're getting so close, I'm gaining a little more excitement for. I, I, I've said I've been honest. I wasn't really super in love with the footage I saw at Celebration, including the scene that they showed us that uh, that they haven't released yet. I also think it wasn't finished. Um, the tech and everything. Uh, but I'm. But I am excited for Mandalorian, and I think there's going to be some wonderful surprises. And uh, and I think uh, some characters will show up, and, and and some species will show up that'll be kind of fun to play with in Star Wars. But I. Love the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and uh, I think there's so much potential in this idea of Obi-Wan going to, to confront Vader one last time, um, which is, is – it syncs up. It, it, you know, I've heard, ah, does it counter the thing in New Hope? Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, it's very vague. You know, I, I, if you watch A New Hope, um, 
what they're the dialogue there to me doesn't exactly connect with uh, what happened on Mustafar. And then uh, Vader saying on, on Endor, Obi Wan once thought as you did. I think that doesn't necessarily connect directly up to Mustafar. It could, and that's it. If we never had another movie, I'd be like, all right, that's the last time they met. But the idea of what 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 happened, and and I keep saying this, and and Joseph and I and Jennifer have talked a lot about this in Force Center, so. Uh, and they'd speak more eloquently than me on it. But like, this is not just a, 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 a old man in the desert, uh, barbecue and Ronto's waiting for Luke to get old. What, what has to have happened, you know, I mean, that, I'd, I want it. I want that too, at least 10 minutes of that. But, um, yeah. he comes out of Revenge of Sith. He goes into exile for this mission, but the whole time he has to be thinking, what the hell did I do? Did I left him there? Uh, now I'm starting to hear rumors of this other force. I still kind of feel maybe his presence. Uh, you know, we as the Jedi Order failed. We let this happen. The Republic failed. All that stuff Dooku told me in Attack of Clones turns out was true. I didn't listen to him. Uh, I didn't believe him. I couldn't believe that it was true. And, and what do I do? I got to make this right because I am a Jedi who who is the poster, one of the poster child uh, Jedi. Obi-Wan's the goody, goody two-shoes boy. He's, he's – uh, that's why when he goes off the off the path a little bit to to go back and save Satine, it's kind of key in the, in the Clone Wars. So I think he's thinking about that, and I think in his mind he's I got to believe he's like I'm got to go make this right, and whatever that is, I'm gonna go try. And I, I think they're still good. I still feel Anakin, uh, and and this is when he'll learn. You know, he's more uh, machine now, twisted and evil. Right. Um, and then he comes yeah. back. Yeah. And, and, I love the and accent. It's a, yeah. And it's a, uh, it's a switch. It's a turning of the page. It's the new chapter. And he right. has to then face, I am not Obi-Wan Kenobi Jedi Knight. I am Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ben Kenobi, protector of the future. And, and, and how does he get to that point? And that, that's a fascinating story to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just came to this epiphany the other day, which I'm sure I'm not the first one, but after reading, you know, a certain point of view and everything, I'm wondering if maybe we get ghost Qui-Gon showing up, Liam Neeson's. Hope so. Yeah. You know? <laughs> if, yeah. If, if Liam could shut, shut up in press interviews, it totally makes sense. And if you're going to have him face Vader, you, I, you better damn believe I want Hayden there, you know, like, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I am excited for those possibilities. And, oh, you know, Joel Edgerton and get Bonnie P.S. back as, as Owen and Baru. Like, yeah, yeah let's absolutely. Do it. Definitely. Um, and then uh, I know you touch on this in your book, I, and I didn't realize it until I read it. I was going to ask this question anyways, but uh, and you answer it. In a in a in a roundabout way, but what's <laughs> Dave, happening? Here? I don't know. But uh, do you get sick of st- talking Star Wars? I mean, honestly, I mean, uh, hmm. obviously, you kind of answered this, you know, earlier with you. You kind of lost your passion for it, you know, back in the day, and you it was reinvigorated. But are there days where you're just like, I don't want to do this podcast today? Uh, sure. It's work, right? This right, is a great yeah. job, but it's work. And there was days when I was writing the book where I'm like, I just physically, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, but since I really started this in earnest in 2014 with Jedi Alliance and Mon Garrett back in the day, like this has been rewarding. This has been a lifetime leading to this. Uh, there are things about it. There's parts of the fandom, uh, you know, Jedi council, we, and that we taped the show in the morning it used to be live for a short while it was live, but we taped the show in the morning. We release it in the afternoon or early evening, West coast time. And I got to tell you, I start, I, I close my eyes. Cause I'm like, I wonder what hate we're going to get today and what's going to find me online. Yeah. And that, 
that is not part of the job. Like people say, part of the job <laughs> is people people not liking you, your opinion, right. or even not liking me. I'm, uh, you know, uh, I was, <laughs> that's impossible. Yeah, well, no, no. There, believe me, there's people out there who do not like me, uh, <laughs> and either you know too positive, or they think I, you know, uh, you know, I don't listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts. I don't like. This is what I I talk Star Wars, and then I go, you know, play MLB the show on the PlayStation. But all that aside, <laughs> all the negative stuff aside, uh, no, I legitimately love this stuff. That's why the 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 show thing drove me crazy. But then after a while, I just like I, I, it's so it's so ludicrous because. I'm not being positive about the, the Last Jedi because uh, I, I need, you know, first of all, it doesn't get us access. That's not how it works. No one at Disney PR is like, oh, we listened to your last podcast. You're a name on a list and you got approved and you're part of the press. So, like, it doesn't matter. Believe me, I've been, I go to movies, uh, to, I, I went to solo with someone from the Collider Crew who hates that movie and said it on every possible podcast that they have. <laughs> and, and they are still going to Disney press screenings. Like, it's right. not how it works. So all that aside, all that aside, no, man, if I'm bored sitting at home doing chores, I'll put in solo. Uh, I'll watch, rewatch the Clone Wars. Uh, I, I, I'm working on some stuff, researching for some folks uh, for another little freelance job of, of re- researching some some lore of Star Wars. Like, no, I legitimately love this thing. Uh, I get excited, uh, you know, seeing some of the new toys. So I don't have the room or money to re- buy all the toys anymore. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I get excited like, oh, look at that. A Mandalorian Black Series figure. That's great. Like this is legit. I do love it. And and it's been, you know, some days you just have to get back to it. part of my job might be gone. All right. Here's what I think. Uh, Kevin Feige's hiring me. <laughs> like, right. That's part of it. But it's not the best part of it. The best yeah. part is what we just talked about. Like, what do I think about Kenobi? Like right, that's, yeah. that gets me excited. Yeah. That, that was the correct answer. So uh, you passed. <laughs> Good job. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, what you were going to say something. Yeah. Ken, I know you are a trivia expert, a star Wars trivia champion, dare I say, and we've got uh, three questions for you. If you're willing to play ball. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Excellent. Uh, before we do that, there's actually, I do have one more thing to ask you. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just wanted to lock you into the trivia first and then move to my question. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, well, just going back to one of the questions I asked about one of the things you want to see and just to maybe give my answer is I'd like to sort of see, um, well, okay. I loved Krennic from mm-hmm. Rogue One and I liked yeah. uh, some of the guys from the original trilogy. What was it? Uh, Admiral uh, Piet? uh mm-hmm, general mm-hmm. veers those guys that we have hucks now who just really sucks wow yeah i'm sure i'm not the first one to say that those two words together huck sucks i don't know but uh, anyway <laughs> I, but i like the, the the concept of um you know vader's choking these guys out and yet since this next guy steps up well who the hell would want that job right and it sort of got yeah. answered in that in that krennic thing and i like maybe i don't know if you've seen the amazon series the boys um and that one is sort of an anti-superhero movie where the, the superheroes who basically do collateral damage and then the people are like you know it'd almost be like if superman you know saved um uh some building but then it fell on your your father or something and you're now <laughs> and now you're left to pick up the pieces of your life caused by superman sort of thing maybe that's right. how you know i'd like to see some legitimate reasons for for either maybe joining the dark side or at least fighting the emperor what are your thoughts on that uh yeah that's fascinating i'm fascinated by the empire uh they have the coolest toys um but i'm fascinated <laughs> by toys. you know <laughs> what what's there and Krennic's a great character and Krennic Krennic is all about aspiration and, and your and your obsessions destroying you in the end literally and and um you know Moff Jared Gerard Tian Jared Gerard from the second Death Star like uh, you know he was just kind of a 
uh, quiet, unassuming, average architect student who worked his way up to run this big project. Like, there's fascinating things, and, and, and New Canon has done such a great job of presenting it in a realistic light, while still keeping in mind that the Empire is basically run by Space Hitler, and, <laughs> and we can't you can't forget that the empire doesn't have just some good ideas that went awry. Like they're the bad guys, but there's also uh, a lot of people that this is their job. Bodhi Rook and Rogue One. This is just, he's a delivery driver for the empire. Like he needed it for money and to get his family support and off maybe Jeddah, you know? So it's fascinating. So what kind of person wants to rise in the ranks and work? And my boss just got choked and, uh, you know, yet <laughs> first, first, that's a great character because like, you know, <laughs> The look on his face when Ozil, who's a known buffoon, and he knows it. Piet knows his boss is a is a is a jackoff, and, and <laughs> so he's watching him die. And there's that look on his face of just like oh, I've been promoted. All right, uh, clear the body. This deck is mine. Like it, it, it's it's really fascinating, and it, whether it can be told in a book or comics, and they. they Delve into it sometimes. Ray Sloan, the character of Ray Sloan, Grand Admiral Ray Sloan from the books from the Aftermath Chuck Wendig series, introduced in A New Dawn, Jonathan Jackson Miller's first, uh, the first book of the new canon. Fascinating character because she grew up on a planet with a lot of crime and she saw the Empire come in and clean it up and save and keep things safe. So it makes sense. And then she joins it and she has this vision of, of, of a truly safe and secure society. And it doesn't – the Empire doesn't really align with it. But she goes along and does her job and she's great at it. She stops an assassination plot. And then in the end is the one that is, is maybe tasked with destroying the Emperor's Empire or carrying it on for the glory of the Empire. She's like – you know, makes this choice to go start the First Order and do it for herself and not serve anyone and then i'm fat i want to see what i want to read what happens to her character what why snoke ends up taking over but she's she's the empire she's 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 the bad guys and she's this really motivational character and i love that dynamic and that's what that's what's great about it too is because you know in a new hope luke is wanting to join the academy that academy is the empire you know that's yeah. that's to fight in the empire you know it's kind of like the government you know and they kind of touch Absolutely. on that in, in lost stars a bit you know you're kind of on opposite ends of of the fight but yet you know you're kind of torn you know it's it's i love really? that they're just they're kind of exploring that in the new canon i hope they bring it to the the movies the tv shows and everything like that um Ooh. Now, uh, after writing this book, do you ever want to write a book again, or are you done? Do I ever want to write another Star Wars book or a book? Just a, a book. Just a book. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. There's some other things in mind. Um, I don't believe I have the skills to do a, a fiction narrative. Maybe I do. I'd love to think I do. Uh, so that's something I might conquer. Uh, conquer meaning not that I'd write a good one, but I'll do it. Um yeah, no, there's some other things. I don't know if I could do Star Wars right now. It's, you know, this wasn't a Lucasfilm book. It wasn't a Del Rey book. Um, but there's some ideas I have. Uh, there's some things – as a fan of uh, Song of Ice and Fire, one of my favorite things George does is is history and history books in his own world. I think Star Wars could use some of those. But um, yeah, definitely there's some things in the work. And I moved – again, I, I moved to LA to be a uh, you know, stand-up comic, a sketch comic, and a screenwriter. And I, I've – succeeded and failed more often in those fields uh than not but uh um uh you know so there's, there's things on my mind to do um but yeah no i i'd like to get back up on the horse it, it's hard though it took a lot out of me but i, I want to do it again i'm sure i'm sure uh, can you just mention stand-up talk just a little mm -hmm. bit about that i mean you go up there you're a funny guy clearly and you're, you're 
you're hilarious. Oh. I mean, but you could you can go up and just you know rip jokes in front of people. Yeah. I, I I saw a couple of YouTube videos of you as hosting, and um, it's just great. I mean, how do you first of all, how do you know and have that confidence that you are funny? Because uh, I think I saw one one bit you did where like you know a guy cracks jokes in the office and he thinks he can step up here and do it and uh, <laughs> you know flame out immediately. Like how yeah. did you have that courage and like actually succeed at doing that? Oh well, that's the thing. You never think you're funny. Um, I think the moment you think you're funny, you you might not be doing it right. Um, we we, we are constantly. It's like uh, a quote I say a lot. Well, it's a paraphrase because I can never actually find the actual quote. Uh, uh, Bono of you. Uh, of you too once said uh, i read in a book that he said if, if, if you have to stand in front of seventy thousand people every night there's a hole in your soul there's something wrong with you uh and you know stand up especially uh <laughs> so it's just something i always did i'm i'm a tremendously well you're talking to a bit of a character right now this is this is ken being interviewed a ken ken character uh, that's ex- uh, it's funny you, sorry to interrupt you yeah. but that's funny you should no, say no. that because me and dave kind of are the same way as soon as these microphones and we hit record come on like it's like we are our persona on these microphones yeah. <laughs> so we we kind of get what you mean but yeah i mean obviously well, in front of an audience is a whole different thing but anyways go yeah. on i'm sorry no, no, no but, but you're doing it right you do that's broadcast this is broadcasting and and there's an art to it and an art to art to being a guest on a show and art to being a guest on a panel show and and i see a lot of people don't do it well so no you should that's the right right way to do it but as far as that i mean i've always you know been a real tremendously awkwardly painfully shy self-loathing kid and, and person and <laughs> and it comes out on on stage and i have a point of view and and i um started my career in radio uh, in my hometown and when that ended i moved to la and i wanted to be on saturday Night live i want to be the weekend update anchor that's why you know me and a million other kids but um yeah. i i want to do that so I, I went to start training uh, at the groundlings and i was there training for four years i worked with uh, people like mikey day and Kristen wig and, and nicole randall johnson and uh, uh brian keith Etheridge, who's a great writer and comic and, and all these people and i, and I got to work uh, with a lot of them that's Nassim awesome yeah Nassim Padrad as well uh and you know, uh, it didn't work out for me that way. And that's had a lot to do with what was going on inside my brain. I wish I had a tad more confidence. Um, <laughs> and after that, after that, I started doing stand up in 2003. And, and it's uh, the thing I love to hate the most. Uh, I <laughs> walked away from it. Yeah, it, it's tough to master. It's tough. It's a craft. And all, as funny as you might think you are, again, like the joke, I, I know that, that that segment you're talking about. Uh, Oh yeah, you, you know, if I bomb on stage, the audience thinks I'm unfunny when I know I'm funnier than anyone out there. Uh, <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's it's stand up is a great equalizer. And, and Colin Quinn says in that, that Jerry Seinfeld documentary comedian, you know, Jack Nicholson, the most popular man in the world at the time, could get up on stage if he's not funny within a few minutes, they turn on him. Right. And and I've seen that. I hosted a show where you know Michael Richards did a drop by, and and I I got to introduce him and bring him up and standard ovation the rafters at the hollywood improv were shaking and then and in two three minutes he was struggling he was doing some bad improv he seemed a little bit out of it and and the crowd turned on you know and and cut nine days later he had that infamous infamous incident at the um, laugh factory so it's it's a hard grind it takes a lot out of you emotionally and i didn't do it right and i didn't approach it right so i left it and slowly but surely getting back into it and and uh, all that credit goes to mark ellis uh, from uh, Schmoes and and uh, Clyde and all the shows, who's been doing it very well. Because I met I met Mark in 2003 at the Comedy Store, and he wasn't that funny on stage, and I wasn't funny on stage. And then <laughs> I saw, you know, 
something you shared in common. Yeah. Or four years later, I ran into him again because I stopped doing shows at the comedy store and ran into him. And and he and Christian were kind of becoming friends. And I saw him go on stage. I was like, oh, Mark got funny. Like Mark learned he was always funny, but, you know, he learned how to do this. And um, this time around, it's been really good. It's been really rewarding um, to to do it. And and, uh, Mark and I. I don't know when you're going to air this, but November 16th, we'll be in Washington, D.C. doing two shows out there at the Comedy Loft. I'm such a, I feel like I'm doing a morning radio show. I mean, the Comedy <laughs> Loft. You know, and I get to go around, and, and, and it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. And, and you know, and I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I want people to be able to recognize I'm not just a, a – I hate – I'm not a YouTuber, man. You know, I, I talk about Star Wars on YouTube. That's not what I do. Yeah. That's one one job of 15 I have each week, and I love being creative. And having fun. I mean, I, you know, my my podcast and AppSoc Files, which has been going since 2013, mostly it's interviews. You know, mostly it's straight straight ahead interviews. But lately, I've been doing more obtuse, weird comedy things that I, I think only I and about four people enjoy. And I've had some people write me say, "I, what are you doing? I come to you for Star Wars and Game of Thrones talk." And it's like that's a that's a boring landscape for me to live in. Right. Yeah, I love doing that, but let me. I'm, I'm going to do some weird, crazy characters and improv it, and and <laughs> and you know, I, I do a parody show called Mysteries in the Unexplained, which is me having a loving homage to AM Coast to Coast with Art Bell and George Norrie over the years, and um, I love doing it. And that, yeah. that's that's what gets me going. Uh, that and, and staying alive long enough to see a Kenobi series. <laughs> I only know those two guys you mentioned because I uh, I've sort of fallen off, but I used to listen to Phil Hendry a lot on his podcast. So that I know his impersonation of him. Oh yeah, yeah. Phil Hendry is one of my creative icons too. I used to listen to him on his radio show out here in L.A. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just amazing. Mind mind breaking uh, level radio. <laughs> yeah. You should keep doing more unfunny shows, Ken. Yeah, but like you said, at the beginning, towards the beginning of the show, you said it's about you know loving things. Life is short, you know. Do do what you love. Do what you want to do. You know. I don't care yeah. if other people think it's not funny. We just talked about this in another show where Andy Kaufman was like made a yeah. so, something in the TV where you know it was all fuzzy and Man on the Moon. <laughs> it's a joke for two yeah, people. It's a joke for two people, but he loved it. So that's yeah. that's what matters. <laughs> and yeah, Andy Kaufman is one of my favorites. Letterman's one of my favorites. Uh, one of my nights at the comedy store in 0304, Bob Zamuda walked by me and it was just like I'd seen an angel from heaven. Oh, so wow. uh, you know, I, yeah, love Kaufman. Uh, I mean, we could have talked. We're burning this hour here, but we could have talked Game of Thrones for an hour. Probably, we, we're big fans of that. But uh, okay, so we've got this Star Wars trivia. Ken, are sure. you ready? Now we scour the internet. We don't think you've ever been asked these three questions. Uh, I hope okay. you've, you've got. I don't know if you put on a hat or get into a position to answer these <laughs> or, or what. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not confident. I'm not right. confident. Don't do it. You shouldn't be. All right. Question number one. This young warrior learned Darth Vader was his father. Now we need a first and a last name. Well, yeah, first and last name is important here. Is Lucas Skywalker? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, what judges? <laughs> that, that, no, we'll give it to him. We'll give it to him. All right. <laughs> Very well done. I wow. Have, I, don't yeah. have, I don't have a bell, but we'll, we'll ring well, yeah. that. All right. Uh, question number <laughs> two. Who uttered the famous line, may the Schwartz be with you? Uh, who... Uh... Uh, who uttered that uh, would be God? What was his character? Mel Brooks's uh, character, yogurt. Sorry, we we're looking for Yoda, the Star Wars character Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, man. Star- wow, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's disappointing. Uh, that's trivia, really disappointing. A real trivia champion here. What's um, our What's our last uh, question, Dave? Okay, number three. Who is the little green puppet that lives in a swamp? 
Is that Yoda? Is that Yoda or ben, Kermit? Ben. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll give him Kermit. All right, <laughs> you got it. All right, so he got two out of three. I mean, we use Kermit the Frog. Yeah, kind of really shouldn't do second guesses here, but, but since he's a we'll, guest, and we'll give it to him. Yeah, you got sixty six percent right. Okay. That's kind of good, but uh, love it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't yeah, know. That, <laughs> that was our that, that was our trivia for you, Ken. <laughs> the guy, who, the guy who knows every ship name and you know every gun model. Didn't know who Yoda was. Uh, didn't. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I, no. I, I I love how you again go into that about your book about the the parodying. I mean, uh, yeah. Are you are you a big Spaceballs fan? Uh, obviously, you knew the the answer to ah. to yogurt. Yeah, uh, I am sort of a Spaceballs fan. Uh, tell you what happened. I was, I saw it in theaters, loved it, loved it, loved it. And then towards uh, my college years, so mid 90s, my friend at the time, uh, shout out to Joel out there, uh, uh, we moved to LA together a couple years later. Um, he was like, let's watch Spaceballs. And I was like, yeah. And I think we had signed up for Columbia House and got our 12 DVD or 12 uh, VHS tapes for one cent. And Spaceballs was one of them. And we put it in. We both sat there and didn't laugh the entire movie. And I was like, huh, maybe it didn't hold up for me as an adult. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, my favorite Star Wars parody of all time. Uh, I do love Kevin Rubio's troops. I do. I do love uh, uh, Robot Chickens. Uh, oh, yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally in that, that. We're all in the same generation, yeah. like that kind of thing. Robots. And, yeah. Robot Chicken is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Family Guy, too, as well. Uh, oh, Muppet that's Bates. amazing. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, Muppet Babies Star Wars episodes uh, parodies are, are my favorite. I remember watching um, that as a kid and seeing and seeing the Star yeah. Wars in the credits and always hoping it was the Star Wars episode. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The Indiana Jones ones were good too. Yeah. Uh, but my, my favorite of all time, I mentioned earlier, is Hardware Wars. That that was the one that kind of uh, that's uh, got clued into. Yeah, I read that in the book, and that's actually why I, I've never even heard of that. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna be definitely be looking that one up. Oh, look it up, and and I mean. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, like you're going to see it, but it's just like it was at the time made. They made it like right after the movie comes out. They they shot it on two dollars and got it out there. And it's just it's so stupid, but it's just such a loving parody of this thing. And and, uh, uh, and that's what I love about Star Wars parodies. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out. That's for sure. Well, Ken, it's been awesome having you. I'm glad you took the time to talk to us about Star Wars, your new book. Is there any, any, anything else you want to say about the book? No, I appreciate you talking a lot about it and supporting it and reading it. Um, I really do appreciate that. It was, it was a fun labor of love. Uh, the audiobook version is out, and both versions work. Uh, I'd love to have everyone have a book on their shelf with uh, that that wonderful cover that you talked about. The audio book, I'm really proud of. I got to do it. I had to audition. Oh, that's for, awesome. Uh, you had to audition yeah, for your own book? <laughs> yeah, they, they normally don't, don't let authors, unless they're Bob Iger, apparently do it. So um, <laughs> I had I had to audition, and I got it, and it was nice. fun. And, and because it came out a little bit after the book had come out, I got to see where some of the copy editing mistakes were, and I got to make some corrections, uh, including oh, the nice. one yeah, one weird little factual error that I'd messed up on and just didn't catch, and no one there at the office would catch it because they just why would they? Yeah, uh, we, nobody so, cares. Are we allowed to know? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, because it's in the first. That's in the very first essay. Uh, I misname uh, the star destroyer that chases the uh, Tana V4. Ooh, uh, how I dare say, you? I say, yeah, yeah I say did you get death threats for that? Yeah, I, I, what's that? <laughs> did you get death threats for that error? No, no, but it kept it kept me up at night because it got through. I wrote, I put the Avenger, and the Avenger is the one from Empire. And Devastator is Vader's original one before uh, uh, the Executor or the Executor, depending on how you how you want to say it. Um, 
And, you know, some things you write it down, you slip through, you just go through your mind. Uh, and you, no, one, no one at Mango Publishing is going to – they didn't check it. They were just like, we assume this guy knows. We're paying him to write a Star Wars book. Uh, and so it got published. Everything was fine. And then someone tweeted me. And I saw it one morning and I was so depressed. Like I was, I was, I needed help, need therapy. Oh man. And it was like, cause you can't change at that point. The mango's a small publishing house. They're not going to go correct it. And it was like, oh man, I, yeah, I can't, I, I hope no one buys this book. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man. So the audio book, I got to say the devastator. Nice. Was that executor? The, the name of the ship? It sounds like a guy well, who, who handles a will. <laughs> executor. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's so funny. So, and when I'm in the booth, the first time I say it, I go uh, the dark, the Super Starter Store Executor, and uh, the guy stops me. And he was uh, the engineer, happened to be a Star Wars fan. He goes, "Don't you mean Executor?" And I go, "Well, good question." <laughs> I saying uh, Executor, and I go, you know, or excuse me, I, yeah, uh, uh, Executor. And uh, he goes, "Well, I think Executor." And I go, "No, I believe me, Executor makes a lot more sense." Um, I don't know. So we tried to go online. We're looking on YouTube <laughs> in the audio booth and we're not finding it, but I, I'm finding a lot of executors, but not executors. And, um, so I, so we talk about it and I go, you know, let's decide and let's just choose the executor. And so we say that it comes up a couple times. <laughs> That's it, great. Out, everything's fine. The audio, audio books out, you know, it's been out a couple months now and I'm standing around, uh, the movie trivia showdown set and there's a great guy named adam witt he's part of the movie guys podcast and and adam's my age and uh we're talking he we weren't talking about my book we were just talking about that he goes yeah well you know when, when vader gets on the executor and i go wait a minute <laughs> call it the executor too and he goes yeah it's, I, I grew up calling it the executor and, I, and he goes I, I know a lot of people call it the executor but i i call it the executor the executor and i like Dude, I this is driving me crazy. <laughs> like, That's you know, awesome. it's, not, it's not like I grew up saying "adat," and a lot of our generation says "adat" because right. the Kenner commercial, it, it, the Kenner commercial says it. Right. Um, and then you uh, you got these kids going at 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 at. I get it, but Kenner is the voice of God in the Kenner commercials. Was like "adat" does not come with batteries. That's why we called it "adat." Um, so it's it uh, drives me crazy. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably one day ask someone to look at this film. What do they say? It's an absolutely perfect microcosm of Star Wars fan disputes. Uh, now, Ken, where where else can people? I know you do other things besides Star Wars, and unfortunately, we just didn't get to them. But uh, for your other projects, what are you doing, and how can people find you? And with just all your projects, go ahead and rattle yeah. them off because I know you're a busy guy. Sure, easiest way is to go to kennapsock.com and APZOK. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, YouTube as well. I don't do a ton on my own YouTube channel, but it is there. Uh, and then, yeah, I've got uh, the Knapsack Files podcast feed, which includes uh, about two sh two shows a week, uh, normal straighthead interviews and some weirder comedy stuff on the weekends. Uh, Casterly Talk, which is a Game of Thrones podcast uh, with Rachel Cushing, uh, Andres Cabrera, Lon Harris, Michelle Boyd. A lot of people come on. Uh, we're still going. There's still so much to talk about in, the, in that world. Uh, then uh, uh, the afternoons with Josh and Ken, me and Josh McCougar's show, and then the Four Center podcast feed. With uh, Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa, you can see him on the movie Trivia Schmodown. Uh, you can also see, you know, for now on Jedi Council over there. And uh, I, uh, you know, doing the stand up now. So check Yay. out Dave. Yeah. All right, Ken. Well, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it, and uh, hope everyone goes out and reads the book. Why we love Star Wars: The Great Moments sure. That Built a Galaxy Far, Far Away. Thanks for coming on the show, Ken. Can I? Can I go? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we're we're working on Ken. Uh, so, folks, you can find us at Blockbuster Cast. Uh, we are at uh, my personal account is at BC Cord. Yeah, you can find me uh, tweeting at Dave underscore Quist. Yep, and uh, that's it for us. So you can uh, check out this episode soon. Um, it's usually it's usually enough, Ben. Yeah, um, we're not quite done, Ken. Uh, so yeah, what? I mean, we're. We have a show coming out every other week. We yeah. are launching a Disney yeah. Plus show. Uh, we're definitely going to be hitting on the Mandalorian, all that stuff coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait for that. Okay. And uh, that's great. Can I... Oh, you're still going. Can we're still going. Okay. So yeah, we're not. We're not quite done. <laughs> uh, so what else? Uh, and that's that's on the horizon. We're going to be having a Gladiator episode coming up. Yeah, we haven't wow. quite. Oh, we also haven't quite picked the name for the Disney Plus episode. I grabbed a whole bunch of Twitter uh, yeah. handles, so we're that's still. How in about the process. call it end the show? <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and end the show now. Uh, for for Dave, for Ken, I'm Ben Secord, and as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the movies. <laughs> <laughs>